Hi, friends. This is Pastor Dan Jackson. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Jacobswell Church. My hope and prayer is that this message will be a blessing to you and lead you into worshiping and enjoying our great and gracious God. With that said, let me encourage you to use this message as a supplement to and not a replacement of a local church. Christ did not establish his church simply for us to consume messages, but so that we could be intimately invested in each other's lives as an authentic covenant community. Again, thank you for listening. And if you want more information about Jacobswell Church, please visit our website at www.jacobswellgb.org. The, I, was, I was speaking with Spencer last night. We're both doing a similar training called Emotionally Focused Therapy. So it's, it's working with couples. And it's kind of this genius, uh, uh, for those of you having a hard time in your marriage right now, uh, it's, it's kind of this genius rubric where you get people to actually feel their longings and their desires deeper and deeper and deeper, and they can say that to their husband or say that to their spouse or say it to the, their significant other in hopes to have this kind of corrective emotional experience where they're beginning to relate to the other person in a way that's kind and caring and, and forgiving. And, and one of the reasons why it works so well is, uh, for those of you who are kind of new to the Christian faith, um, one of the refrains from Adam and Eve is that they were naked and unashamed. So this idea of being totally exposed, totally naked, and unashamed it's sort of the horizon of what it is to be in a marriage relationship. And not only in a marriage relationship, that we are to be totally exposed to God himself and yet securely attached to him. That we're totally exposed and totally attached to him. J- just a little personal story from last night. I finished up here and I went to go up to my room and I had about 30 minutes last night of just feeling the depth of insecurity and shame, and I don't know if you've ever had one of these moments. Maybe you're like walking and you start to double over a little bit. It just sort of kind of comes on you. I was kind of trying to talk myself out of it. I was reading some Psalms, trying to, you know, go back to the attachment, so to speak, to God. And then I came down here and just wandered and started talking with Spencer and talked with Dan for a little bit, and little by little, kind of came back to myself. But you see, we're meant to have this really caring, loving experience, that we can experience this kind of ecstasy, this affection, this closeness with God at the drop of a hat, that we have access to him. But in our culture, what generally happens is that we have exchanged love for God, love for other people with an experience of love, with a feeling of love, because it's a little cheaper like, it's a little more manageable. I was in this training the other day, and this 65-year-old woman came up to me, and she said, you know, I just started using mushrooms. I was like, okay. And you may have heard this with opio- like the opioid crisis, things like this. There's something about having this experience of love. And I said, what was it like? And she said, I didn't have anxiety for just a little bit. Like, for just like this window of time, I didn't have this crushing anxiety in my life. And, they, and they've actually done real studies on Christian believers where they will give them hallucinogenics. <laughs> they, will, they will give them the, these drugs, and then they ask them, what was it like? They've never had it before. They didn't even know that what they were having. There's a control group, and then there's this other group. And what, what they said, you know what they said? 
many of them said, you know what it reminds me? It reminds me of going to a conference and singing. It reminds me of a worship service that I've been to. It reminds me of that feeling of closeness with God. You see, this is what Jesus is offering to us. A high that shrooms can only get close to for a little bit. But that you can have this real access to a real God who really is helping you in your time of need. And, and like the psalm says, and like a weaned child, like a weaned child at her mother's breast is like, a, is like someone who has found this hope, found this rest in God. And maybe this morning that you could, you're like, I could go for some of that. I could go for some of that. Well, in First uh, John 3, 4 through 10, we talk, it talks about love's poison and yet love's invitation. <clears throat> so I'm going to read... Uh, 1 John 3, 4 through 10. Everyone who makes a practice of, of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. And whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him. and He cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the, is, is the, is the one who does not love his brother. Now, let me pray for us. God, thank you for this group of men who are expecting help from you. There's so many magnetic forces that was, were trying to keep them into green, in Green Bay, and we pray that, as you say, we must believe that you exist and that you reward those who seek you. So I pray for my brothers here that they would experience the reward of God this morning. We pray in the name of Christ. Uh, one of the things about living on a little cold, rainy island is not always everybody wants to come visit me. <clears throat> and uh, my brother came to visit me after a number of years. And uh, for those of you who have ever flown to Europe, you have to sort of fly overnight. And unless you are very well off, you're, have, you're sleeping, sitting up. And um, so my brother basically stayed up all night. And we're like, don't worry. When you get here, everything's going to be all right. We're going to make pizza for you guys. They had four kids with them. His wife came. It was this whole endeavor. And they're, they're four kids under 11. I mean, they're, uh, if, you've, if you've been in that space, you know it's not cheap. And so uh, he gets in. We have pizza all ready for him. And he just, he's, so, he's so exhausted. He's only slept like an hour. And he put this first piece of pizza in his mouth. And he's, and he's like, wait, well, well, before he did that, he said, this, there's no nuts in it. He has like this severe nut allergy. Like, no, 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 no nuts, no nuts, no nuts. And he puts it in his mouth, and in a second, he's like, there's nuts in this. I was like, there's no nuts in this. He's like, I know there's nuts in this. I brought six EpiPens because there's nuts in this. He said, what did you put in it? And my wife is, like, almost in tears. She's feeling terrible because she made the pizza. And she's like, I just put tomato sauce and just, like, cheese and, and pesto. He's like, pesto? What's in the pesto? 
printed out, it had cashews in it. I mean, like this tiny little thing, and he's breaking out. Two EpiPens in, we're like, we got to go to the emergency room. He gets to the emergency room, take his shirt off, like covered in just welts and sores and red, and I'm like, from a teaspoon? Like, really? Like, really? A teaspoon of pesto does this? And he's like, we're going to the front of the, front of the queue, front of the line, and, the, and he's like, I'm about to go into anaphylactic shock. I need to get into a room right now. And she's like, um, hold on one second. I'm like, no, 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 don't, don't hold on one second. Like, we need a doctor now. And sure enough, you know, he goes in, and little by little, he's sort of, but like, really? Just a tiny bit? A tiny bit of cashews, and that does it? And this, this passage is saying that that's what sin is like. It's like this tiny bit of pesto, and we think, how in the world could this be bad for me? It tastes so good going down with the pizza. Like, it's, it's so small. It's nothing. And when I, when I ask you, like, what is the sin maybe that you're fighting in your life? You're like, hold on, let me think. And yet it has this poisonous, it has this poisonous character to it that actually takes us away from this life of love. It removes us. It, it, it takes us away from this attachment to God, attachment with each other, this, this culture of brotherhood that you guys are growing. This will take us away from it. In this passage, it says sin is three things. Sin is chaos, sin is evidence, and sin is family. Sin is chaos, sin is evidence, and sin is family. Uh, my, bo- my brother Jonathan, who I just was speaking with, oh, he, he's been working on his licensure exam. And I remember I had, to, I had to memorize the Westminster Confession of Faith when I got ordained in the Presbyterian Church. And I had to sing, because I remembered all these catechisms by singing. I said sorry to the people that were giving my oral exam. I'm going to have to sing to you if you ask me any of these questions. And so I still remember, what is sin? Sin is any want of conformity unto or the transgressions of the law of God. What is sin? It's any want of conformity. It's any lack of conformity or transgression against the law of God. It's cashews, just like a pesto, anything. And when you think of sin, like when I think of sin, it's like sneaky cookie jar, I'm breaking a rule, I'm doing something wrong, I probably should feel guilty about it, I don't always feel guilty about it. That's what I think about sin. But this passage says sin is lawlessness it's chaos it's going into the worst spot of Green Bay the most dangerous spot of Green Bay when all of the policemen are on strike you are inviting chaos into your life even the little cashew it's, 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 there's a danger it's the only place in the Bible that it uses it's like this little gem in 1 John that it's lawless that it's absolute lawlessness. Like some of you guys cheated on your taxes this year, or some of you cheated on your wives, and you are inviting chaos into your life. You are like wiping the, 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 the bringing out the welcome mat for chaos in your life. And yet it says in verse 5, Jesus came to take away sin. That he came to take away the chaos that we long to, that we keep going out to. That he is this prince of peace that is wanting to exchange the chaos in your world with real peace, with real love. 
with real care, that sin is, in a lot of ways, the thief of peace. Because we are invited into this new world where we don't have to be hurried. We don't have to be worried. We don't have to have sort of this siren call of sin. But it can be something new, something better, something different. Sin is chaos. It's lawless. And Jesus comes to you in love and saying, what about peace? Would you like peace? Would you like your life to be so drunk on peace that you could actually choose to move into chaos? Like other people's chaos? One of the reasons why it takes us away from brotherhood is because when we cheat on our taxes, there's something about it that turns us inward. When we cheat on our wives, there's something that turns us inward. It, it moves us away because of, the, because of the nature of how shame works. It moves us from the people that we long to connect with, the things that we long to have. And friends, chaos is unworthy of men made in the image of God. Sin is chaos, but it's also evidence. In verse 6, it says, No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. And now, if you know uh, John, <clears throat> in, in the Gospel of John, he has this kind of great picture of that Jesus is the vine and we are the branches, right? That he is the source, that being close to him leads you into this life of love. That, you, that you're not only blooming, but you're being pruned, and, and you get to have this change in your life. Maybe just think about one area of your life where you feel like, I can't change. I can't stop gossiping. I can't stop cheating on my taxes. I keep thinking about cheating on my taxes. I can't stop doing X, Y, or Z. Jesus is saying that if you're connected to him, not just you can change, but you will. That there is an inevitability that you will be conformed more and more to the image of Christ. That you are going to be eternally grateful for how your life turns out. That being linked with Jesus, like that avatar, I don't know if you've seen this avatar where they like whip around the hair and they put it on the horse and it does something to them. This is what it means to be linked to Jesus. It does something to us. It does something to us. It's evidence that you know him. I, I was thinking, my, I was calling uh, Dan Jackson the mayor recently. He's like, what do you mean? I was like, you're such a mayor. Because you can go into a room of like 500 people and probably come out with 300 phone numbers. Like he, he, can, he can meet and, and he can connect with you so quickly. He has this great gift. He like sit down, chat with you, and you're like, man, maybe I will tell him about my childhood trauma. Like, he just like, oh, gosh, I just gave this guy, like, my timeshare. You know, this, you just have this desire to sit down with him, but, you know, he's on to the next one. It's just one of the great parts of it. And, and, and if you're at this retreat for the first time and you had this expectation, let's say you came up to me and said, hey, I'm excited to connect with Dan Jackson. You know what I'd really like to do? I'd just like to sit with him for, like, three or four hours, just really deep conversation. Then we'll have a lunch, a little break, and then maybe go for three more hours, and then maybe have dinner, and then three more hours, I would say, you don't know this brother. The wrong expectation on him at a time like this. It's evidence that you don't know him. You just don't know him. It's like asking me about Harry Potter. I don't know anything about Harry. You don't know me if you're asking me about Harry Potter. Because I've never read the books. You don't, it's evidence that we're not friends. And what Jesus is saying is here is a life lived in righteousness. You know him. 
Because we have, if I can, uh, for people that don't follow Jesus and may not know about what the word reform means, you can just sort of tune me out for a second. But there's something about the reform community, people that are really big into reform theology, and I am actually one of them, where we have done this weird thing that we have divorced personal piety with virtue. Where you can like have a quiet time and then not care about poor people. You can know how to memorize a verse and be a rotten neighbor. We've sort of created this weird world where you can be relatively orthodox in your theology and not orthodox at all in what you do. That's not who Jesus was. And it's evidence that some of us don't know him. And I'm not trying to, I'm I'm really not trying to come down on you. The good news is, is that if you don't know him, Now's the time, baby. (laughs) His invitation is for you. His invitation is for you now. That you get to be a part of this victory of God. That you get to inherit the whole earth, it says. That you get to have the retirement plan that goes on forever. That your 401k will last you trillions of years. You get to have it now. But in your defense... In your defense, it does say something hard in this verse. It says, it says, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. And you're like, well, um, I did sin recently. It says, no one keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. It's like, easy, John. Easy. Because you, you, you can naturally feel like a hypocrite, right? You can naturally feel like, well, what does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean that if you follow Jesus, you never sin. Because in 1 John 1.8, it says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And it's like, well, which one is it? If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. If you really know him, you won't keep sinning. John, helps out. So I've read a number of commentaries, and some people say, well, if you're habitual, habitually sinning, and they sort of create this new category that doesn't exist in the Bible. Um, And I don't actually know. There's not like a drum roll that I'm going to give it to you. Because it's saying that it's normal to have sin in your life that you recognize. You'd be deceiving yourself if you didn't. And it's normal for you, as as, uh, John Owen would say, to be killing sin or it will be killing you. It's normal to find it, and it's normal to kill it and to live this evidential life with Jesus means we must do both. That we must do both. So, as we get to know him more, the knowledge of him must and will be transformational. So, some, some of you may see this as a hurdle to jump over. This is actually an invitation. Are you really impatient with your children? Like, are you really impatient with your roommates? whip your little avatar braid around, right? There's more to be had in the vine of God. That if he is the source of growth and beauty and goodness and you knowing him more, actually, even without your consent, changes you to be conformed more and more to the image of Christ. Friend, this is an invitation to you. Sin is chaos, sin is evidence, and sin is family. In verse 8, it says, Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. 
And generally, when you start talking about the devil, especially in our context, it's like, you know what? Can we just ease it a little bit up with the devil stuff? Now, in my context, with all my Hindu friends, that's not a problem to get over that bar. No, no, no. (laughs) They know about the devil. They're just fine with that. Because we'll oftentimes talk about sort of three different ways you can view the world. Oftentimes in the West, they'll talk about guilt and innocence. We'll think about the world, am I guilty, am I innocent? So when you blow, when a lifeguard blows the whistle, what happens? Everybody freezes. They're like, who did it? Who was it? Now, if you go into like an Arab context and the lifeguard blows the whistle, everyone ignores it. Because to stop would be shameful. It's an honor and shame context. It's a totally different space. So when you preach the gospel in an honor and shame context, you don't say God will cleanse you of your sin and make you innocent before him like a perfect spotless lamb. You say God will take all of your shame away and will give you honor in return. He will put the diving medal on the 600-pound man and say, you are a champion swimmer. He gives the honor to our shame. He gives the honor to our shame. And a lot of people in my context are what we, what we refer to as fear and power. Fear and power. So they're very interested in what is the power of this world that can dominate any threats that I have in the spiritual realm that I'm afraid of. That's what they're interested in. And so when we're like, devil, easy. Because we think of like anime, you know? Like we think of like horns and we think of cartoons and we'll, maybe Will Ferrell, if you've ever seen that skit. That's, like, that's, that's probably too old of a reference for young people. But sin is family. Shows that you are actually linked to the devil. <laughs> Sounds strange to say it out loud. But if you, don't, if you kind of can remove him from anime and sort of think him as this like top general strategizing a rebellion against God himself. Because when we have this poison of sin in our life, we actually align ourselves with the rebellion. We align ourselves in this new family. Because you know when you have a baby and you're always like, oh, who does it look like? It's like, oh, it's, it looks like the mom. And, or, oh, it's, like, it's a lot like the dad. And there was this uh, black family in America, and they had a baby, uh, blonde hair, blue eyes, totally white skin. And what did the father say? What's going on? Who's the dad? Because that's not me. It was like this weird genetic, you know, one in a billion sort of type of thing. But we naturally say that one doesn't belong. That one doesn't belong. But the, the wild news is that this little cashew, this little, this little bit, like in our context, if I put uh, meat on, a, on like a skillet, I can't use that skillet anymore to serve food to my Hindu friends. It's done. Or it's like if you have a little bit of pork on a plate, well, this is how we'll share the gospel sometimes with with Muslims. If you have a little bit of pork on the plate, would you eat off of that plate? No. I'm not going to eat off that plate. Because there's something about the association with sin that actually is indicative of our family. That we have aligned ourselves with a top general. A top general in rebellion against God. In in my family, um, Sort of have a, you know, up, up the generations, there was a, uh, uh, a guy who was very famous for always forgetting his wallet whenever he'd go out to eat with somebody. 
And do you have that friend? If you're laughing, you do have that friend. If you're not laughing, you might be that friend. <laughs> and so, you know, he had this sort of song and dance that he'd always do. He's like, oh, so sorry. I can't believe I'm doing that. Like, oh. And everyone's like, we know you. And you know what's wild is that his son started doing the same same thing, the same little song and dance. He knew the script, and everyone was just like, ah, the worst, the worst. I mean, the absolute worst. And yet, this is what it means for us to continue on in our sin. But the great news of Jesus is that he has constructed this new family, that he is willing to adopt you into it, that, that through repenting of this old way of life, that through faith in the, in, in, in the person of Christ and his death and resurrection that could be counted on your account that would like pay off all of your student loans, all of your debt, that he pays all that off so that you might be a part of this new family. I, I remember um, I'm, I have a very broken family, generational, just a lot of, one of the reasons why I, I became a counselor is because I'm so broken. <laughs> and I remember... Um, I remember when my oldest, or when my middle brother had a baby. Sam is his name. He's 18 now. And I remember I was like, I just need to see that kid. Like, I need to get there quickly. And I remember holding him. And I was like, I'm just going to take a walk with him. Kind of makes me choke up a little bit just thinking about it now. And I remember just holding him and saying, it all ends with you. All of this generational wrong, all of this sorrow, it all ends with all ends with you. And I just remember saying it over and over, I'm like crying. I'm 18 years old. I'm like, all ends with you. It all ends with you. And friends, it could all end with you. It could all end with you. That being invited into this faith, that being invited into this family of God what God says is that the sins of the Father, they last three and four generations. But faithfulness to God will bless a thousand generations after. Don't you want to bless a thousand generations from now? A thousand, I mean, it's hard to even like think about a thousand generations that your actions are like throwing a rock in this pond that will go on a thousand generations. That we can reject the chaos of sin. That we doesn't have to be the, one, the thing that is primarily evident in our life. And we can be a part of a new family. A new legacy. A new name. A new legacy. A new name. For a thousand generations. Uh, there's a rapper in Los Angeles by the name of Nipsey Hussle. He's got this great song. He's, unfortunately, he's murdered. Um, but he's got this great song called Last Time That I Checked. And he said, last time that I checked, it was five chains in my neck. It was no smut on my rep. Last time that I checked, make a quarter mil, no sweat. Last time that I checked, I'm the street's voice out west. Legendary self-made progress. Last time that I checked. Because what is he doing? He is reminding himself, last time that I checked, there's five chains in my neck. Last time that I checked, this is who I am. 
There's like a self-catechism going on over and over again. Last time that I checked, last time, let me, let me, and then the psalmist says, it says, wake up. It says, arise my soul. He's catechizing himself into who he wants to become. But in in following Jesus, you don't have to come up with the script. Because Jesus will give it to you. That he will make you righteous. And we can remind each other that we, because, because shame needs a witness, we, you, we need everybody here to look at each other and say, you've been made in the image of God. You've been united to Christ. You're a king among men, and God is me- me- meant for you to rule. And you need that as like a catechism every day. Last time that I checked, last time that I checked, you turn away from the chaos of sin. It no longer become evidence in our life, and you are starting a new family in Jesus. Friends, the invitation of God is that he can change even the likes of you. Even the likes of me. That we don't have to be lured in by this chaos because there is a new way of love that you can access all the times that shrooms can't even reach to. This new way of Jesus will give you this lasting legacy that will last forever. God, thank you for your word and that it endures forever. I pray for these men. I pray for myself. That you would help us to choose this life of love, that we might love one another and to do it so that that the world might see that that you really were sent by the Father. Help us, Lord, as we pray and as we connect in our small groups. And we pray this in the name of Christ. Thank you.